Most people give up well before they create anything meaningful. Most people give up. That's why most names are not recorded in history books. This is true for me as well as it is for you. But etching our name into history isn't the only way to be considered a success. There are countless individuals who have done so much more than me, so much more than you, and we'll never know their names. And that's okay. The point isn't about figuring out what it takes to become worthy of history. The point is to avoid giving up. Today, I speak to a friend and fellow ruckus maker, Corey Chrisman, who is a veteran and a founder of Bravery Wines. We record a show about leadership, about self-awareness, about culture, and about a seven-year journey that ends with his wine ending up on Thanksgiving tables across the USA. You couldn't have told Corey that would have happened seven years ago. Thank God he didn't give up. Just like you couldn't have told me six years ago that this podcast would have 1.5 million downloads, or that I'd have a best-selling book, or that 75 leaders from across the world were in seven different cohorts of the mastermind. I'm really interested to see what will happen in your life in the next seven years, and I can't wait and see. Hey, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about a real quick giveaway. Since Corey is in the winemaking business and the school year is ending uh, for a lot of us, and Bravery Ryan's motto is uh, celebrating the hero in you. Uh, BLBS is teaming up with Bravery Wines to celebrate school leaders and the incredible effort that they put in over the past year. At the time of this recording, I'm not sure what the URL will be. But check the show notes, and I want to encourage you to enter this giveaway because if you win, we're going to send you some awesome Bravery Wines to sample. Believe me, you do not want to miss out on this one. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to develop your skills to identify challenges, incorporate and support innovation, and plan and drive school improvement in leading school strategy and innovation. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Leading school strategy and innovation runs from June 15th to July 13th, 22. Apply by June 3rd at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. 
Well, hey there, Ruckus Maker. Today, I am excited. I am thrilled to be joined by Corey M. Chrisman, who is a, a winemaker at Bravery Wines, LLC. He's a retired supervisory special agent, USAF, and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He's a doctoral student at Drexel University studying educational leadership, and he's a graduate of the Executive Leadership Program Cornell University and holds an MBA and a BA in criminal justice. Uh, Corey, at this point, I think he's been on the show twice. I know once for sure we did a webinar on like school safety that was uh, really helpful for ruckus makers to attend. And we've just uh, connected off and on for years now. Uh, and he's an awesome guy. So I'm excited to bring him back to the podcast. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, man, it's good to be seeing you again. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's hard to believe we've known each other so many years, and uh, we only actually met what about uh, geez six six eight months ago now when you moved to Syracuse, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and I'll I'll tell the ruckus maker listening. I promise we're going to talk about wine. That's like a <laughs> that's one of the school leaders' favorite topics for sure. We will get to that. Uh, but first, I want to I want to talk about you know you do some consulting work that's um really in- interesting and. Usually that's uh, focused, you know, in, in the business uh, sectors. And you're talking about, you know, with me in the pre-chat, just leaders that want to enact changes they're facing. They have ideas of what they want to do. And I think school leaders can relate to this, but they lack confidence in the first steps. So talk to us a bit about, yeah, making that change and, and the confidence piece. Uh, it's a great lead-in, Daniel. I think um, one of the to- one of the topics I spend m- most of my time speaking on and working with the leaders at all levels is this concept we call self-awareness, and it's it, it seems simple or simplistic when you think about it, being aware of ourselves, right? But it's much deeper than that. Uh, we we're, what we're finding now more than ever is our people strategy, how we interact with those people that might be our peers and or those people we might be charged with leading, the dynamic has changed. It's gone from a directive approach to more of what we call a collaborative approach. Gone are the days of what I call the do it because I told you. <laughs> and now we're presented with this option or, or this necessity of, you know, collaboration and, that tends to breed vulnerability. In some cases, people aren't necessarily comfortable with that word vulnerability. So self-awareness, um, the more aware we become of the things that we're great at and maybe the things that maybe we're not so great at, it helps to, in many cases, improve our confidence because it allows us to reach out to people to supplement our efforts. Right. And so are, are you saying then, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is, is self-awareness then the key to that confidence in terms of taking those first steps to uh, enact the changes they're facing? Yeah, we, we, you can think of it as an inventory, right? Think of it as, you know, we talk about behavioral uh, traits often, right? We talk about things like communication, things like um, attitudes and behavior. But when we talk about self-awareness, it's really an inventory of the things that I'm really great at, the things you're really great at. Maybe we have similarities, but what I'm most interested in is the differences because you might be very highly detail-oriented and I might be, you know, much more of an extrovert 
And how can we meld those two behaviors or those skills together to improve the team? And then we do it across individuals on, on big teams. And next thing you know, we have this word we, all, we hear called synergy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those synergies are created by making sure that we first understand what we're the best at and we leverage that. But then we also have the ability to reach out and say, hey, listen, I'm not the best at these. Would you mind helping me in that regard? So that allows us to leverage what we're great at. And through that process, the level of confidence tends to come up. And more importantly, we become, over time, we become, we, our confidence tends to improve because we're doing what we're meant to do. We're doing what we're great at. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting too, because what I'm hearing you say, uh, asking for help, right? Like building a team around your weaknesses versus your strengths is actually a way of uh, creating more value for your organization in a way to actually start building that, that confidence that you need as a leader. Uh, talk, talk to the ruckus maker who might be used to hiring in a way that reflects what already exists versus like what they need to supplement those weaknesses and help them get their mind around that. Yeah, we spend a lot of time or I spend a lot of time working with leaders in various capacities and all of them have read just enough books or just just enough uh, literature and watched just enough YouTube videos to know that they should have this word we call culture. But oftentimes they sometimes don't understand the pathway to get that culture. And that pathway uh, very much starts with the process we call talent acquisition. Now, some people, some of your, your long-term fans and followers, they might have been in their positions for a long period of time, whether they be superintendents or principals. Maybe they didn't have a decision or maybe they weren't at the table. They inherited this group of folks, uh, this group of professionals, excuse me. Uh, but so we think about talent acquisition is a direct feed to our culture. We have to ensure that the people that we are bringing on to our teams are the best people for the organization. Uh, So what we say people first, we have to mean people first. That doesn't mean we take, uh, that doesn't mean we take um, less in skill set, but we have to decide where, what are our core values? And this is where I see from a business standpoint, things come off the rails because I'll ask them what their core values is. And then I'll say, well, how do you incorporate those core values into your talent acquisition or hiring processes? And we see a big, long silence because we don't, no one's ever said that to them. Right. So if we want culture, we start by hiring the people we want on our teams. Right. And that doesn't have to be anything drastic. That just means we decide on uh, the, the type of people we want on our teams and we look for those people first. Right. Ideally, we want the highest skill set and the high and the culture fit. We want those together. But if we've got to take a culture fit and maybe somebody with a little less skill set, I'll take that person every day because I can train that person. That person's coachable. Right. So culture starts with talent acquisition and not being afraid to go look for that person who's going to complement your team, not just seek, in a, seek employment. Yeah, that's a key, complement the team. I don't know that schools, are, I think schools are still struggling, you know, with that. Like, sure. it's like, okay, let me hire the, 
the most qualified, the person with all the credentials, whatever, forget about the, the culture fit. And that's obviously, to me, and I think you would argue, a, a mistake. Connecting some dots, I think in our first interview, I could be wrong, but I think you used something called the Colby assessment, maybe? Uh, predictive index. Predictive, predictive index. Predictive. Okay, that's yep, right. Yep. yep, so I was wrong. So you used predictive index um, to, to figure out, I think, some of that talent piece, but... Any other ideas, you know, for the ruckus maker listing in terms of uh, culture fit? We heard that values, but finding that talent. Well, I think, first of all, it becomes recognizing what's worked in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And equally, what isn't working. And let me be first to say I, I, I know enough people in education, whether it be superintendents, principals, teachers. I understand that. Much like businesses are struggling with finding talent, so are those folks. So I'm not naive to think, well, Corey, you know, it's just easy for you to say you're not in the position of actually trying to find uh, these teachers or trying to find these administrators. I get it. Um, but I think, first of all, it's understanding what's worked well in the past, what hasn't. Secondly, it's being very brutally honest about what the team needs. Okay. Uh, and, and it's making sure that through the support of your administrators uh, and or superintendent that you have the ability to maybe hire a little bit more slowly. And again, that's easy to say, right? We've got <laughs> empty vacancies. We got to go get these people. I get it. But sometimes we have to hire slowly. And then secondly, who's actually doing the interviewing process? Who's actually doing the hiring process? Sometimes that's an administrator. Right. At least the initial screening. Right. It may not be the it may not be the principal. It may not be the, uh, the superintendent. It, it might be an HR person when I say administrator. Right. It might be somebody who just. Sure. So we need to have involvement in that process. Right. And, and where, if possible, can you participate in the initial screening of, of those those folks? In some cases, it's a by name. Right. It's a by name referral. Uh, and that can go a long ways. But I, I think to just keep it in, um, keep it succinct, what's worked well in the past? Okay, can we continue to use that for the future? What hasn't worked well? Let's stop doing that, right? Can we be more involved in the actual acquisition process, right? And then when we're asking questions, we need to spend less time focusing on, you know, the, 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 the questions that seem to be canned, right? Tell me about your strengths, weaknesses. <laughs> Tell me about a time when you, when you faced a challenge. I mean, those are good. Don't get me wrong. And we need to start having more real conversations, right? When, you, and when I say real, I mean, you know, what is it? We, our core values are integrity, service, and excellence, right? Tell me how you've demonstrated those. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. You know, that's just one example. But uh, I, I think too often times I see the further you go up in an organization, the more disengaged we are from the actual talent acquisition process. And that is a vital mistake mm. uh, that I see many, many entities making. Right, right. What would you say, Corey, to the, the ruckus maker listening? You know, he or she might be a, a principal. I'll just share my lived experience. You know, I was a principal <laughs> down in Texas. Okay. I'll just say like the, the, I, I believe <laughs> the supervisor yeah. held the do it because I told you sort yeah, of yeah. attitude. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of, you know, the way things worked around there. I do see a shift in the culture. Like that's not going to last much longer. Um, but, but if you find yourself in that situation, how do you navigate that? Uh, you're talking with an employee that 
Is it yeah. responding well? So, so no, I'm saying like, so the ruckus maker list is a principal. Like I was a principal, but a layer or two above them at the central office, they still adopt up there the do it because I told you sort of attitude that then gets communicated to the principal. Like any successful tips yeah, for I mean, that? I, you know, I think, um, yeah, that's a delicate balance, right? Because no matter how far we go in an organization of how far up uh, we, we tend, to, we always tend to have a, someone that we report to. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, we get put in situations where, uh, we have to engage in practices that maybe we we agree or disagree with, right? Uh, if you, if we're trying to grow a culture in the central office or the superintendent's office, whichever you want to call it, uh, sees it differently, man, that can be a, certainly a challenge. Um, one, I think you have to, where possible, uh, be a good follower to the maximum maximum extent. Um, I think seeking clarity. I think helping to educate the people in the central office about what's uh, really happening. Um, sometimes people in the central office tend, and I don't know if this was your case, Dan, but they tend to operate in a vacuum, right? Yeah, like they, don't, they, don't, they don't necessarily have a visibility in your organization. They just want you to take care of that and let them know if you have any problems or questions. Obviously, don't embarrass them, those types of things. But I think being very establishing lines of communication with the central office early on and also letting, you know, the central office, you know, if they're not involved, try to have mechanisms where you can get them more involved, invite them down, um, let them see. But more importantly, I think sometimes when we get into leadership positions, sometimes we, we, rec- we, we, we excuse me, we underestimate uh, conflict, Mm-hmm. Right, we underestimate sometimes where you have to work uh, in, in an environment where um, you might have to go against the grain. Doing that is not necessarily a problem. The approach is where it tends to get right. right? Like we, you and I, can disagree, but sometimes the approach and how we disagree tends to be where it comes off the axle. So, I think recognizing that just because people are in greater Positions of authority than you doesn't always mean they know what you know from a people standpoint. It's helping to serve, to educate them on what's happening can be helpful. In the end, they may continue to tell you on the do it because I told you. They may, they may want you to keep working that way. And quite simply, uh, people, teachers are going to vote with their feet, right? They're going to go elsewhere if they don't get what, what they need. And that's so you might not have to say anything as a principal. The teachers may do that for you because they may just go elsewhere and find, you know, other employment. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I like that piece on inv- inviting, you know, as well, because uh, when there is that disconnect or that, that distance between central office and what's happening on the ground in the schools, uh, it's back to the awareness piece and the connections and relationships. I think that invitation is huge. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I see on the business side of things is there's this ideology that because I have I sit in the C-suite or because I've been in a certain position for X number of years that I'm the, so the, the, the expert, right? But I've worked and consulted with a number of people who, who were much senior to me in age and experience. And the one, they had never, they hadn't been on the feed, they had been on the receiving feedback 
sometimes ever. Wow. Like I was the guy that brought that feedback to them and say, listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but people don't trust you. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but yeah. you don't communicate very well. Mm. And, and because you are directly impacting the culture that you're trying to serve. And man, they're like, Corey, no one's, you know, I'm 55 years old and been a, in the business 30 years and no one's ever taken the opportunity to tell me that. So one of the things I encourage folks is don't assume that just because somebody's at a higher level or maybe in, is an administration and you're in, 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 in not an administration, that they know what it is you think they know by way of behavior. You might be the first person to actually tell them that because I've been in that scenario a number of times. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. First time they're hearing it and that kind of thing. <laughs> what, what a gift to finally uh, be candid and offer that, that feedback too. Those feedback loops are important. Well, they well, might've heard it, but they didn't listen. How about that? <laughs> uh, that's also very true as well. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm, I'm really enjoying our conversation, Corey. We're going to pause here just for a second to get in some messages from our sponsors. When we get back, I want to dig a little bit more into self-awareness. And then I promised everybody we're going to talk wine. <laughs> right after the break, we're talking wine, one of our favorite subjects. Learn how to successfully drive school change and help your diverse stakeholders establish priorities and improve practice in leading school strategy and innovation a Certificate in School Management and Leadership course from Harvard. Topics include vision and goal setting, root cause analysis, organizational alignment, innovation, and more. Leading School Strategy and Innovation runs from June 15th to July 13th, 2022. Apply by June 3rd, enroll by June 9th, and get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Kateras using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with uh, Corey Chrisman. And before I promise we'll talk wine. We're going to get there in a second. But before we do, I want to talk self-awareness. You know, you brought that up at the top of the show. It's uh, honestly one of my favorite topics. And uh, by the time this, this um, episode goes out, uh, I would have already given a, a workshop in Utah uh, on self-awareness, you know. And I see it as like one of those levers, right, that leaders can use to absolutely transform like things you love talking about culture, 
results, the value you create within your organization starts with you. So uh, just tell us a few things that, that you've been learning about self-awareness lately that would be useful to the ruckus maker listening. Well, first of all, I've been I've been privileged to be in the leadership business and the self-awareness business for about 25 years now. And I often ask this question at seminars and, and with the people I work with, and I ask them, where did you go to learn how to lead people, right? Where did you go to learn how to, where, what, what, who taught you how to do that? And I don't say that uh, from an antagonistic standpoint. I say that to remind them that we have an obligation to lead those people around us, but rarely do we ever get this required training to do it, right? Now, if you served in the military most of your adult life, chances are, like, you know, you might learn some of those things. Or if you've, you know, I'm not saying that military people are the only people that know it, but I'm saying we, it's so important, but yet so few people get access to it. So when we start and when working with folks, the first thing we talk about is self-awareness. I said, it's amazing what we can accomplish as leaders when we stop worrying about what other people think of us. Right. That doesn't mean we have to ignore feedback. What it means is sometimes the vulnerability associated with self-awareness, right? The fear of what other people might think of us causes us not to, to act or causes us to keep a guard up unnecessarily. Right. We, there's people that have worked in careers for 20 or 30 years and been completely unhappy because of that little scenario I just gave you, right? The key to self-awareness is first accepting a, just who we are as individuals, right? Some of us are great communicators. Some of us are great drawer or illustrators, you know, you name it. If we can work in a, and operate in a capacity where we can leverage those, those talents and those abilities, we're going to get people's best effort. But part of us, from a self-awareness standpoint, is have to say, listen, this is what I'm really good at. These are some things I'm not really good at. And how can I put people on my team that augment those areas that I'm not good at, right? But we first have to have the courage, the tenacity, and the vigor to say, I'm okay with telling people around me that I'm not good at these things, right? Can I do accounting? Sure. Can I do marketing? Sure. Is it going to be dismal? Yes. So I pay people to do that, right? Because it's, I'm just not going to get to the level of competency that I need, right? So I guess a summation would be self-awareness is we call it, I call it the mirror check. You know, much like people will walk out of their hotel room or their house and the last thing they'll do is look in the mirror. Hey, how, how's my, my dress and appearance? Well, I want people to consider doing that mirror check is, Am I in the right role for what I'm doing? Am I doing what I love? Okay, maybe we can't do what we love right now, but do I have a pathway to get where I'm going, right? Am I doing what I love to do, okay? Um, and am I acknowledging what I'm not the best at? And can I bring people onto my team who love doing those things that I'm not good at? Yeah, that's awesome. I suck at finances. So, you know, I have a CPA, right? <laughs> He's saving me money on taxes. He's now owning part of the uh, the invoices that go out and following up when they're not paid, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I suck at that. So you got to yeah, yeah. build a team around you. 
two other points in terms of like who to listen to, who to not. So I will tell the ruckus maker listening to um, check out Brene Brown's work. And in Dare to Lead, she talks about the uh, Square Squad, which I've talked about on this show multiple, multiple times. And then here's a quote from Cicero who says, let other people worry about what they will say about you. They will say it in any case, right? So people are going to talk. So don't worry so much about what people are going to say. Let them worry about what they're going to say. You keep moving forward. Now, a few minutes ago, we mentioned the word culture, right? Mm. What you will begin to see in, as leaders, the law of reciprocity will take effect. Yep. Right. As we as leaders, whether we're informal leaders, whether we're superintendents, or whether we work in the central office, as we begin to demonstrate the behavior that we're seeking, those people in our culture will see that it's okay. And they will in turn demonstrate that behavior. Yeah. Right. The ones that care, right. We're going to have some that say, I'm, I'm, I'm not all about that. Right. Exactly. But the ones that care, they're going to say, well, geez, Daniel said he sucks at finances. What I have, a, I, I, I feel the same way. Next thing you know, they're talking to you. Hey, listen, I'm, now all of a sudden we have a discussion. Now all of a sudden we have a collaboration. Now, once we have discussion collaboration, then we can get the synergy. But this whole idea of culture is people want you, people like you and I to come in and say, hey, could you just create a culture here in a matter of a couple of weeks? And we know that doesn't work. You get weeks, <laughs> I get days. so but there that's what i said there's a pathway to culture and it starts with confidence right it starts with can we are we confident as leaders that's tough right can we lower the 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 the, our guard can we build confidence in those people around us because once we get confidence then all of a sudden we have the courage right we have the courage to take on tasks that we wouldn't have otherwise done you're right where we're taking that pathway, then we can work towards competency. And now all of a sudden we're, 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 we're building that culture, but it's not a snap of the finger, right? That's what people want. And it requires so much effort, but it all starts with great people. Like we talked about great people. And it certainly isn't a microwave solution at all. (laughs) Okay. So listen, Corey, on to our favorite topic, wine. Okay. Uh, and, and I do have a connection, you know, one of our cohorts, it's really fun. Uh, all our cohorts in the mastermind name themselves. So there's all sorts of, you know, just creative and wacky names. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. One of the groups, they call themselves the free spirits, which really has a double meaning. You know, one is that these, these leaders are ruckus makers. They cannot be boxed in. They do what they want when they want. I've also noticed they love to bring wine to uh, the mastermind. So this is, uh, this is fun because most PD, you know, you can't have a drink. Like you can have a drink in the mastermind. You can wear your pajamas if you want. It's really <laughs> a pretty cool laid back place, but where we take education and leadership seriously. So uh, real quick, tell us the story of, of, of starting Bravery Wines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to be, uh, well, let's work something out offline, Dan, and we'd love to get some wines out to your people if it's logistically okay. feasible. I yeah. know they're all over the place. Uh, happy to work something out with you uh, in that regard. Uh, but I think to give you this short story, uh, I retired from the Air Force in 2012. I started my winemaking career uh, like uh, many amateurs uh, in, in my basement 
And I fell in love with the process. I went to school for it at Washington State University. Right around that same time, I started what many would refer to as an internship uh, in the Finger Lakes wine region of upstate New York, a winery called Anthony Road Wine Company. That was in 2014. And long story short, I'm in my eighth harvest with Anthony Road right now. <laughs> Obviously taking a, taking a break to chat with my good friend here. But two years ago, Bravery Wines was kind of conceptual, conceptualized, excuse me. And we had to take a slight pause for COVID reasons. Uh, we launched it one year ago on Veterans Day. So we're approaching our one year anniversary. If you see the label, you'll see it's kind of patriotic. And there's vertical colors on the label that are representative of our military service branches, uh, our um, police, fire, and EMS. And our tagline is called Celebrating the Hero in You, uh, because we believe that we all have a little hero in us. And, and also, there's many heroes that don't wear uniforms, right? Uh, in a video that I did, we talk about teachers, we talk about civil servants, talk about people who uh, are willing to live a life of service in our opinion, those people are very heroic uh, in what they do. Uh, so we started with 300 cases, four wines. One of them sold out fairly quickly, a Cab Franc. We replaced that with a rosé, a rosé of Pinot Noir. So we, right now we have a Sauvignon Blanc, a rosé, um, a Riesling, and a wine called Vignol. By the time this airs, we'll probably have different wines than that. Uh, but uh, we're never going to be the biggest wine brand, but we're about celebrating great people, people like you have in your organization and, and the ruckus makers. Uh, I, somehow I see like a, like a ruckus label in the future or something, <laughs> a ruckus wine label or something. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, so love, I love the tagline too. Like you said, celebrating the hero and you. And uh, I, I'd love to hear more what went into the thinking from, you know, creating that. But from my outside perspective, the reason I love that, it's it's not about your wine or your brand. It's about actually the, the person who buys it. And just hearing celebrating the hero in you makes me feel good, right? And so that's that's a gift to me as the, the consumer, so to speak. And uh, I, I think that's masterful. Was that Was that the goal or... Tell us how you yeah, came up with that. Well, model. I had the opportunity a couple of years back to tour the Clemson University football locker room. And, okay. uh, uh, in, and as you might imagine, uh, one of my high school buddies was on the coaching staff at the time. And uh, uh, I, um, as you might imagine, when you walk around there, there's all these different kind of motivational posters. And, you know, one of the things that I saw in there is um, – you know, when you do a poster that I, I often I have a picture of and I refer to, when you do the common things in an uncommon way, you can command the attention of the world. And when I started thinking about that from a people standpoint, when you think about people who are heroic, whether regardless of whether they're uniform or they wear uniform, they're really common people who choose to do uncommon things. Are common people who choose to live their life a little differently and maybe in an uncommon way. And so I kind of connected those two, uh, the, the Clemson scenario and 
that so another way of saying celebrating the hero in you is basically common people who choose to to live in an uncommon way and that's really what we're about we're about great people we're about people who uh, are of service we that's how my wife and i and our family we tend to live our lives and and we don't press that upon anybody else <laughs> but uh, we hope that that uh, celebrating the hero in you resonates with all the people who, who give our wines a shot so far, it's worked out pretty well. It's awesome. And I, I think this is just the beginning as they say. So, uh, celebrating the hero in you, uh, common people doing uncommon things. I'm hearing a very similar theme in terms of, uh, being a ruckus maker as well. That's so that's, that's super cool. Uh, I think my last question, Corey, then is, so now you are in this new territory uh, creating wines, winemaker at Bravery Wines. I'll kind of give you a, a range. So what, what would you say uh, digging into this industry would be like the top one to three lessons you've learned that might help a school leader be more effective? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, um, uncertainty is around every corner. I mean, there's days, you know, as you know, as an, as an entrepreneur yourself, there's days that there are very high highs and some days you're questioning why you ever got into this thing to begin with, right? And I'm sure I'm, pr- I'm proud and privileged to know many educators and that we've had similar conversations, right? So uncertainty is right around the corner. How we process and deal with that uh, is, is everything, right? So I think that's kind of step one. I think, you know, step two is, is that um, regardless of what you see on social media, TV, um, you know, there's great people around us everywhere. And I don't buy into the hype. I don't buy into the social media stuff. I don't personally have a preference as to, you know, my preference is no better than yours. And, you know, by way of what, how you dress and what you look and who you love. And, uh, you know, I think um, there's the, there's power in people. Right. And, and I see that in academics and education as well. And I think thirdly, anything that's worth doing is going to be challenging. Right. Um, any, there, there's no easy pathways to, to success and there's no easy, easy pathways to greatness. Um, it took me seven years from the time I started to the time uh, I saw a bottle of my wine on somebody's Thanksgiving table. And I remember the, I remember the uh, message coming in and, and my wife looked at me and she said, you know, you, you have tears coming down your face because Sometimes the destiny is not known. Like we don't, we can't see the end point, right? But sometimes it's just a matter of, of put our head down and driving on and driving on. And with this belief and this idea that we're going to get to the end, end point. And back in 2014, when I was starting at Anthony Road, when I drove 150,000 miles in seven years, no one could ever told me that a bottle, you know, of, <laughs> of this wine would be on somebody's Thanksgiving Day table. If you'd have told me that in 2014, I would have said you're crazy, you know? And so I guess I gave you four, but I think, uh, I think we should close with that, I guess, maybe. If challenges were easy, we'd everybody do it, right? Yeah, that's so good. I think that is a powerful way to end. And the last thing that I want to say too is, is, you know, usually I script out these shows, right? 
Uh, and and this was completely off the cuff with somebody I was super comfortable talking with. And I, even if it, I'm just the only one who says it, I think we nailed it. So yeah, I think, I think we did. We should do it more often, man. I, I'd love to spend time with you, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great at, great at what you do. Appreciate that, Corey. And uh, Ruckus Maker, definitely um, check out Bravery Wines. We'll link up Corey's uh, website and his winery in the show notes for you today. And cheers. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.